I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. Okay, welcome back, everybody. How are you doing, John? Good, good. Uh, and uh, we're going to record some of your pages right now. Coming Excellent. Up. Yeah, I'm ba- uh, we're back here, and we are going to get into page 120, uh, which, if you'll remember from last time, uh, is inside Zoya's uh, flashback montage. And the last thing we saw was that she um, was getting taught by a teacher, Mr. Haig, who then got frozen by her parents. So she learned a valuable lesson in not signing bad contracts, um, something that uh, ends with an image that reminds us that her own Gaia Awards project was about um, something like this. So I guess we will jump in there, right? And yep. we will uh, just read this, and then we'll come back and, and talk to you a little about it afterwards. So um, in terms of casting, I'm going to read the narration, and I'm going to read uh, some of the other parts, and John is going to read Zoya and Richard... Uh, and so he'll be, and maybe some of the other parts as well. Okay. So here we go. First panel. It's a wide shot, nearly identical to uh, a panel we saw a long time ago, page 14, panel two, which of course you guys won't remember what that is, but it shows, uh, Tim and Zoya on Parsia at the Gaia pre-party event. So this is before the Gaia awards. It's as if we've pulled out from the poster for Zoya's project to reveal the rest of the room. So in the back, uh, there's the project. Uh, which looks just like the image uh, that was on the previous page. Tim and Zoya's dialogue repeats here as well from the previous uh, panel, from from page 14. So Tim says, It's just only only one of us can win, and as I'm sure you've heard, the winner is supposed to get an invite to Altov. Zoya says, I've heard that, yeah. So what I'm thinking is, what if we just agree to help each other? So if I get into Altaf, I'll help you in, and you'll do the same for me. Sort of an insurance plan. You really want to get into that club so badly, don't you? Next panel on Zoya's face, with Tim out of the frame. It's still a moment we've seen, but we're shifting over to Zoya's point of view. A tiny, barely perceptible insect floats along near Zoya's shoulder. Tim from off screen says, well, don't you? Or maybe you think because of your parents you can just get in anyway? No, I'm just not interested in your deal. Now, the next panel is extremely close on Zoya's shoulder, which is now the scale of a mountain range. The insect is revealed to be a cleverly designed vehicle that looks like a bee, but has a comfortable saddle and room for two to sit, motorcycle style, on the middle segment of the bee's body. Richard and Alexis Hall sit on the bee, Richard steering with a flight stick. Zoya, hang on. This might be a good idea. Next panel is Zoya swatting the bug. And Zoya says, Can you stop it? The next panel is a close on Richard and Alexis. Richard has one arm up and is holding back his daughter's giant fingers. It looks like he's not even breaking a sweat. Alexis is talking to her exec. Uh, Alexis says, Shrink her down. Okay, next page. The first panel is a large subjective panel showing Zoya as she shrinks down to insect size. She looks a little surprised, but not like this has never happened to her before. Her body emits traces of itself as she gets smaller and falls into the bee saddle next to her parents. Zoya says, Come on, guys. It's really rude to just shrink me like that. I was in the middle of a conversation. Alexis says, You can go right back in a second. Just take a quick ride with us. 
Next panel shows a long panel showing the event space from the rafters. Uh, the bee's flight path is traced around the space, with the bee itself appearing a few times in the panel. Uh, so I'm thinking this is one of those panels that takes up multiple moments in time. So around the first cluster, uh, Richard say, We want you to take this deal Ito's offering. Why? Because we want the address to Altov. Think about it. Top-tier Emerologian VIPs will pay top dollar for a tip like that. Soya says, If I win, they'll invite me and I can tell you the address. Richard says, Sure, and I've done everything I could to make that happen. But the fact remains that the Gaias are pretty fair. And Zoya says, what's that supposed to mean? Uh, just that it's not a guarantee. So the next panel is a medium shot of the three of them. Zoya insulted Pouts. Uh, her parents seem indifferent or unaware. Zoya says, okay, fine. So wh what do you want me to do? And Richard says, go to our usual place on Agoria. We'll have the rest taken care of. Just do it now. The winners will be announced very soon. Uh, the next panel is close on Zoya, who brings up a salient point. What about the no leaving during the festivities rule? I signed the contract. A uh, medium shot showing Richard and Alexis. Richard has a handout and looks askance as he addresses his exec. Your VIP privileges get you out of it. I can get Tim Ito out of it too. Exec, ask the mod for a favor, would you? Exec says, right away, Richard. Next panel is closer on Richard looking at Zoya. The exec says, Mod says it's approved. They can return up until the ceremony begins. Get moving. Next page is going to be five panels. The first panel is uh, showing a different angle on the same scene shown in page 16, panel one. <laughs> That's just reference for us. Basically, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's... It's, it's another scene in the party uh, at the Gaius. So Tim walks back toward the party. Meanwhile, a dotted line uh, that wasn't there in the original panel is showing the bee buzzing past his ankles and out the window. Next panel is the same shot. Zoya grows from minuscule to merely tiny. The next panel is the same shot again. Zoya has now grown all the way to normal size. Tim is in frame. Uh, the next panel, Zoya grabs Tim's arm. I'll make your deal, she says. But you have to come with me to Agoria right now. The next panel is a larger panel showing Tim and Zoya in the hallway. Zoya is gripping his arm. Tim looks excited and conspiratorial right into Zoya's eyes. Zoya looks vacant, empty, unreadable. And in voiceover. And just like that, our fates were entwined. Next page. The Gaias have just ended and we're at a wild animalian rave after party. In the large, almost where's Waldo-like panel... We can make out Arturo dancing with a bunch of tigers, all of the other creators except Tim dancing with various humanoid animals wearing wide pants and candy bracelets, an elephant DJ in a massive booth scratches giant records with her elephant hands, uh, a drunk Meredith makes out with a giraffe, some bonobos are having some kind of multiple partner sex in one corner, while two lions are gorging a gazelle in another corner. Other animalians are flying, leaping, and biting each other in various combinations. I had fun with this one. Uh, uh, Zoya, holding her Gaia statue in her hands, is dancing in the center of the room on a dance floor surrounded by disco chickens and punk ducks. Uh, and the caption, uh, in quotes, uh, we hear the uh, sort of announcement saying, and the Gaia goes to... And Zoya says in voiceover, The after party was lame. So we all crashed in Animalian Rave. Sound effects go whoop, 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 whoop. Uh, next panel, Zoya has stopped dancing and looks at a glowing sign that points around a corner. And she thinks, am I the only one seeing that? Sound effects whoop, whoop. Uh, Zoya is now under the sign, peering under the, uh, around the corner down a dark hallway. At the next panel, she's at the end of the hallway, and there's another glowing arrow. Zoya says in voiceover, 
figured I'd better follow. On the next page, Zoe appears with trepidation as she approaches the second sign at the end of the hallway. Far in the distance, the party can be seen in the deep background. Sound effects. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And that's when I got it. It's a POV shot from behind Zoya's head. Around the corner, the room ends in a tiny vestibule. A glowing arrow points straight down at a letter that floats in the air like an item in a video game. The letter is addressed to Zoya Hall. The next panel, Zoya opens the letter. Her eyes are wide as the paper slides out of the envelope. On the next panel, close on the letter, we can make out Altoff and cordially invites you, as well as an IP-style numerical address. On the last panel, a wide panel that ends the page, it's the same chasm with a steep cliff dropping off to a molten lava pit that we saw on page 37, panel one, which was when uh, we first went to Altoff with Tim. Uh, so she's in the, the lobby of Altoff. The rope bridge spanning the chasm connects to another craggy ledge upon which sits the old-fashioned wooden desk. A flying dinosaur is visible in the distance. Zoya, who has entered from the clouds, is holding a Mary Poppins-style umbrella and floating down toward the desk. On the next page, from Zoya's POV, we see our own feet floating down toward the desk, which has no one sitting at it. On the next panel, Zoya has just alighted on the ground. An AI receptionist pops into existence behind the desk. The sound effects say, Skirp! Whip! And Zoya says in voiceover, Pretty soon after, I found myself in the lobby of Altoff. My folks weren't happy with just the address. They wanted me to hurry up and ingratiate myself with all the high-status people who are undoubtedly members. Uh, on the next panel, Zoe has approached the, uh, the AI, who is handing over a sheet of paper. Hi, she says. I'm Zoya Hall. I was... Yes, Miss Hall, we've been expecting you. Here's the introductory contract for new members. You'll see there are some limitations, but it's all quite safe. The next, paper, uh, the next panel shows the paper, which has a list of terms on it, some of which we can make out. Pain, low, death, off. Second level access and advanced access are also both off. Zoya says in voiceover, There was nothing odd about the contract, so I signed. Next panel, the AI uh, has opened an invisible door in the world behind it, so we see the mountain range and the desk and the AI holding open a door-shaped hole, and inside the doorway... We can see an elegant ballroom extend deep into the distance. A wild party of well-tressed bipedal beings of all kinds is going on. A party in the, uh, banner in the distance reads, Welcome new members. AI says, Go on in. The party's already started. So on the next page, Zoya has entered the crazy party. Saba approaches her. Zoya continues in voiceover. I'd barely gotten inside when... Saba says, Zoya Hall? I'm Saba Dashka. I'm here to shepherd you through the initiation process. Next panel is close on Zoya, who looks skeptical. Oh, what's that? Next panel is close on Saba, who looks charming. As you might imagine, an organization like ours has a significant interest in making sure our members abide by our rules and customs. Next panel is larger. We see Saba taking a drink off a server's tray. The server has a gopher head. And uh, Zoya is, meanwhile, gesturing with a handout. Sure. So Saba says, so to that end, I'll have to ask you to come with me to Agoria and sign a fairly punitive non-disclosure contract. It basically just says that we can take all your money if you leak information, any information about the club beyond its membership. The next panel is close on Zoya, who's scared but trying not to show it. Let's go. Okay, next panel is wider, and it's close on Saba, who puts his arm around Zoya to speak close to her ear. 
And just to be transparent, once you do that, you're a member at the lowest level, able to meet your fellow initiates and browse the tip archive. But to become a full member and have complete access to our world, you'll have to prove yourself in three trials. The next panel is back on Zoya, who seems resigned. Of course I do. Next page uh, starts with Zoya and Saba sitting in the same tent on Agoria that we saw Zoya and Tim in earlier. Zoya is signing a document while Saba is sipping tea served to him by a female AI servant. In voiceover, Zoya says, The second I touched down in Agoria, I knew what trouble I was in for. Next panel is back on Altaf. Saba and Zoya stand on a stage with four other recent initiates. One is a man with an elk head. One is a handsome explorer type man. One is a beautiful Latina woman. And one is an elderly grandma with a large magical looking staff. Uh, the banner reading Welcome New Members is hanging behind them. Zoya is center stage as if she's just been called up, and Saba is gesturing toward her while the audience applauds. The other four are lined up like they have already been called. Uh, Zoya and the other four are wearing sashes that say New Member. The sound effects say clap, 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 clap. And Zoya says in voiceover, I wasn't concerned about the bank account. My parents never gave me much money, and anyway, we so rarely need it for anything important. Uh, close on Zoya, standing in the spotlight in her sash, looking like a beauty queen, but with worry all over her face. But I was worried about Tim causing trouble. Next panel, later, Zoya and the other four sit in a classroom while a man with two human arms coming out of his head like antlers stands at the front of the class lecturing. On the board is written the word novelty. The teacher says, and what's the most important thing of all? And the whole class together except Zoya shouts, don't let the address leak. And the teacher continues, that's right. Tomorrow we'll be going over the first trial, so be sure to read pages. And Zoya thinks in voiceover. As I sat through the Altoff initiation rites, I couldn't help but think how similar this indoctrination was to all the other ones I had experienced. In the next panel, one of the students, the Elkhead, is pointing out the classroom window. An Elkhead says, check it out! Someone's in the lobby trying to get in. And another student says, let's go check it out. The lobby of Altoff, and now we're seeing a different angle on that same scene from page 41, panel 1, where Tim was on the rope bridge. This time, we're with the gawkers up by the desk. They point and laugh at Tim. Zoya stands back a bit. And a student dressed like an explorer says, What an idiot. And Grandma says, Doesn't he know Altoff is invite only? Zoya in voiceover. And as for my cohorts, I'm not sure they were the best of the best either. In the next panel, Zoya peeks over their heads to look down at the chasm. There on the rope ladder, she can clearly see Tim. How'd this idiot get the tip? There must be a leaker. Oh, man, they always catch leakers. Zoya thinks. I was literally praying for him to leave. What I was praying to, I have no idea. The next panel shows a close on Tim seeing Zoya. The next panel shows Zoya, her face framed by the other's heads, looking at Tim. It would be similar to page 41, panels 5 through 6. Oh, okay, so then Tim says in, uh, off screen. Okay, I'm not into torturing my audience. I can take a hint, unlike some sadists. So that was the hint that he gives her uh, from the earlier scene. In the next panel, Tim has just blinked out of existence. A dinosaur is flying away. Sad he didn't get to eat his prey. Most of the initiates have popped out as well. Zoya stands there, having just let out a huge breath. Zoya's voiceover says, But when he made that Bukhari reference, I was so relieved. The next page, Zoya sits with Richard and Alexis in the Hall Palace on Emerologia. The palace is designed to the, oh, I'm sorry, the palace is dedicated to the idea of organizing knowledge, 
with the walls festooned with Dewey Decimal System catalog drawers symbolizing the vast library at their command. The design philosophy is brutalist 20th century with geometric shapes and hard surfaces prevailing. Zoya says, I don't know what else to try. I've been through the deepest levels of our secret database and nothing impresses them. I don't think I'm going to be able to progress to the next trial. Richard answers, Don't give up so easily. You're a hall. You'll figure something out. Next panel's close on Zoya, who's gesturing dramatically. That's not the only problem. There's also Tim Ito. If I don't figure out what to do with him in a month, he'll out me, and then I'll probably get kicked out. Close on Zoya's mother, who gives her a hard look. I think the solution is obvious. Medium on Zoya and Alexis. Zoya says, What? Outsource it. Next panel, Richard pipes up. Kill two birds with one stone. Next panel, close on Zoya, worried she might know exactly what they mean. Zoya says, What are you suggesting? Next panel's wide, showing the whole family. Richard and Alexis loom larger than Zoya in the frame. Have this Ito character find the tip for you. And how am I going to convince him to do that? Same way they're getting you to do it. Tell him it's how to get into Altoff. And scene. And okay, so now we are continuing on. Uh, now these are pages that John wrote, but otherwise we're going to keep all the same parts just for simplicity. So, all right, here we go. Coming into page 130, panel one, Tim and Zoya stand in the secret Emerologia conference room. Zoya is explaining something in the foreground while Tim drinks from a glass of water. We've seen this scene before, but this time it is from Zoya's POV. Zoya's voiceover says, I hated lying to Tim, but he never should have tried to blackmail me. Next panel, the doors of a golden elevator. Zoya continues. And the plan worked, just as my parents predicted. Next panel, the elevator doors open and out walks Zoya, looking around furtively. We are inside the secret room on Apollonia, the one behind Applewhite's portrait. Zoya's voiceover continues. The tip I got from Tim was for a world called Apollonia. Uh, Next panel, stepping out of the elevator behind Zoya is a group of three high-ranking Altoff members. Saba we already know, but with him are also two additional tourists we haven't seen before, a cyberpunk-looking woman, and a man who appears to be part scorpion. A secret backdoor portal made getting in and out easy. Uh, next panel, Zoya reaches for a torch ensconced in the wall. There's even a way for us to move around undetected, thanks to an invisibility permission hidden inside of a torch. Next panel, Zoya leads the way with the torch blazing. Close behind her is Saba, and behind him we see the cyberpunk woman stepping right through a giant portrait of James Applewhite. It was all more or less as Tim had described. Next page, Zoya leads the crew through the halls of the Sky Temple, still clutching the torch, and as she turns a corner, she appears absorbed by something she is seeing. But there were just as many things that Tim had neglected to tell me. The next panel, from Zoya's POV, we see what looks like a classroom. Children, all dressed in identical uniforms, sit at wooden desks while a robed cult member draws on a chalkboard. We can see the phrase, Book of Taduke, and also what appears to be a kind of hierarchy or family tree. The next panel, one of the children in the class, a young girl, raises her hand to ask a question. The next panel, a close-up of Zoya's face, her brow furrowing slightly. The next panel, a close-up of the young girl mouthing some question we don't hear the specifics of. Next panel is the teacher listening to the young girl with a look of utter disdain. Uh, Okay, next page. Um, The two guards approach the girl's desk. She looks up at, oh, I'm sorry, two guards approach the girl's desk. She looks up at them inquisitively. Next panel, the two guards lead the girl out of the class as the teacher and other students watch judgmentally. Next panel, the girl is led by the guards to the middle of a dirt courtyard and tied to a pole. Uh, Soya, Saba, and the other Altoff members crouch at the side of the courtyard, watching the scene unfold. 
Zoya looks concerned while the Altuff members look almost gleeful as if watching an exciting movie. In the next panel, the guards walk away from the girl, ignoring her as she calls after them. In the next panel, we see the girl from above looking up at us in terror. She and much of the courtyard is covered in the giant shadow of what appears to be a winged elephant. <laughs> All right. On the next page, uh, Closer and Zoya, Saba, and the rest continuing to watch. Zoya's concern has turned into a look of horror, whereas the Altov crew seems surprised and entertained by whatever is under- unfolding. Saba and the others didn't seem bothered by the things we saw. The next panel, Zoya leads them down the main road of the small wooden city that sits at the heart of Apollonia. The Altov members ogle the various simple people going about their businesses, many of them hauling heavy objects. In one part of the background, we see a prisoner in a birdcage suspended above the road. In the next panel, the party reaches the center of town where James Applewhite himself sits cross-legged on a high platform held up by several shirtless followers. In front of James, rows of people prostrate themselves, bowing in total respect and submission. Uh, In the next panel, the crew returns to the portrait of James Applewhite. Zoya stands by with the torch, waiting as the others step back through it. It was becoming more clear who I was dealing with. In the next panel, in the secret room behind the painting, Saba shakes Zoya's hand while the cyberpunk lady and the scorpion man seem to laugh and commiserate about the things they just saw as they walk toward the gold elevator. Saba says, Wonderful stuff, Zoya. Truly novel. And uh, Zoya stands at the center of the gold elevator. Uh, She looks morose while everyone else seems to be on a kind of novelty high. Zoya's voiceover continues. And that I didn't want anything to do with Altoff anymore. Next page, Zoya stands in the outdoor courtyard of Pompeii. She looks down the long walkway toward the large, lavish Roman building. I began looking for an excuse, for a way out. Zoya kneels beside a river of lava, holding her hands out, feeling the river's heat. Uh, the next panel, Zoya stands in front of a jug of red liquid on a stone pedestal. A bit of handwriting superimposed over the background says, have a drink. Partway through what Altoff was calling the second trial, I thought I found it. Next page, back in the Hall Palace on Emerologia, Zoya's parents both look skeptical. Richard says, and you're sure about this. Next panel, Zoya bleeds her case, but looks very small in the frame compared to her imposing parents in the previous frame. She says, There's just no other way to advance. You have to sign away your brain chemistry rights. Maybe more than that once you get further in. I wasn't going to find out. Next panel, Richard looks resigned, but Alexis is not having it. Richard says, Well, you did the right thing coming to us. Nothing is worth signing a contract like that. Honestly, this just seems like another job for your friend Tim. Next panel is a wider frame with all three people in. Zoya looks indignant. She says, I don't think that works this time. I'm supposed to solve the puzzle myself. Alexis says, Is that really what they said? You have to do it yourself? Well, not exactly. Next panel, Richard leans in and gives Zoya a a cold stare. Zoya looks back wide-eyed. Richard says, Tell us what they said. Exactly. Next panel, focus on Zoya. She says that I'm supposed to deliver some sort of passphrase from deep inside the puzzle world. Next page, Tim sits on the couch of the modern, modernist living room of his home world, looking at us with smug satisfaction. The caption says, I don't see the problem. Just have Tim get you the catchphrase. Next panel, without getting up from the couch, Tim hands Zoya a piece of paper. Another caption says, seems within the rules to me. Zoya looks down at the piece of paper she just received. He's already expecting a second trial. The piece of paper says, you must trust to be trusted. Panel five is the same shot as panel three, but Zoya's face betrays a bit of guilt or doubt. What could go wrong? The next panel, Zoya floats down through the clouds of Altaf, clutching the paper in one hand and an umbrella in the other. And that's the scene. Cool. Well, we have 
a lot of pages here. Um, and there are a few things we should talk about, which, um, you know, the, the big thing is, uh, this thing that you pointed out on your own pages toward the end. Yes. Which this is the big issue. I think this is the biggest thing. So let's just talk about this quickly. Um, which is that eventually we need her to go to Katal, but we have set her up as somebody who won't sign a contract as um, dangerous as the one that you have to to get into Katal. So, well, not only that, you, we we have her also literally signing a non-disclosure contract in these pages that we just wrote. That I think also is not as bad as the Katal contract, but I think is also like in that same like you know how cagey is she about contracts right right like well so i mean i hand waved past that one in the pages and maybe that hand wave isn't a good hand wave you know i'm not sure but um but she says she's not that worried about it because you know um the thing that they've asked her to put up as collateral isn't that valuable to her um but we can change that we could come up with either a different structure of it or a different collateral or something i think I think that one we can probably get past fairly easily, but the Catalian example is a little That's harder a to get issue, past. Yeah. Now, obviously, in order to achieve her her trial goal of committing murder, it, this is a risk she simply has to take. There is no way to commit murder without going to a world where murder is possible. Um, so it may be that we just need to have a scene about that. Unless where, you had an extra privilege, I guess, in a one-way Right, like, right, right. Well, so right. You could that like I'm not we saying we should do that. But. Shown any worlds where like some people are able to walk around killing you, but they themselves cannot be killed. Right. So far, we've only shown worlds where like everyone agrees to a naturalist rule, or no one does. I mean, so far that's what. We, and I do think things would tend in that direction, just because it would be so crazy dangerous to allow yourself to be killed in a world that other people were not doing. Well, that. but we we do kind of set up. Zoya as having privileges through her parents that are uh, not maybe fully known to everybody. That's true. We just haven't shown that particular thing. Yeah, I'm not really arguing for this, though. What we have now is that the only, you know, her plan is to commit murder on a naturalist world. And in order to to do that plan, she's going to have to sign a naturalist contract, which is dangerous. And we've done some good work on the whole, like, Katal like sequence that I that I that I'm attached to now. So yeah, I want to make sure that we can we can get we we have to we right. need to get and, her. There. And my opinion is not that I, I mean, look, I I want to make it clear that I don't think it's the case that Zoya would never do that. I just think it's the case that Zoya can't do that without us remarking on it and showing her logic. And now her logic could be any number of a couple of things. I think it could be a pragmatic logic where she decides in a calculated way to take the risk because she's trying to achieve this goal. But in that case, I think the goal needs to be really important to her, which I'm not sure we've sold at this moment. Um, now, it could also be that she uh, consults with her family, and it sounds like there's sort of a split the way that you've written the family so far between Richard, who is like a real hardliner on this danger thing, and Alexis, who seems to be more of a pragmatist, who seems to think like, Yes, of course, avoid danger, but but do what needs to be done. So maybe it's just a matter of the parents have different views here. Um, but yes, I think we need to. I think we need to address it, and I think the way we need to address it is that we need to understand the logic behind it. And the logic behind it can be 
Zoya really wants this, so she decides to take the risk. Or it can be her parents really want this, so they decide the risk is worth it. Or they justify it to themselves as saying, well, you're not going to actually put yourself at risk because you're so far ahead or whatever. They come up with some justification or something. I don't emotionally, I think, want to do this because I'm, I'm attached to how we have it. But I think it's bears saying because like the simplest solution here is like, yeah, we're not going to change our whole Catal sequence, which we like and is fairly detailed. Right. We could change the detail about like her parents have this like have raised her with this like fundamental respect for, you know, the danger of signing bad contracts. I mean, it. I don't really want to make that change, but I'm just pointing out that like that would be that doesn't have to exist there. It is a good texture for her character and for the fact that her parents are lawyers. And it, Right, like, right, right. Yeah, I like things about that, but I agree it's not critical to the story, so we could lose it if we feel like it's creating an unsurmountable problem. So I just sort of like, I, I want to find a better way, but I but I, I just felt necessary to point that like, we don't have to be married to that part if we really yes. get no, into I mean, knots I that, here. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, that's like something that I, I, I enjoy the logic of that given that they are lawyers and stuff. Um, but I think, yeah, one way we could change that is we could make it only one of the two parents who really feels that way. And that kind of gives us our cake and eats it too a little bit because we can continue to have the, like the scene, which is derived from this that happens earlier where the, where the teacher is, um, tortured, but then we could also have one of the parents being like, well, aren't you being a little harsh or something? And and the other parent saying, no, this is necessary. And then in this later scene that we're sort of positing has to come up soon, um, they could have that disagreement more more clearly, and she could side with the one who says it's okay. Um, but yeah, I think this bears some thinking because I don't think it's an insurmountable problem. I, I definitely can see that somebody would do something that's different from what they've been raised to do. If they either really want the result or their parents yeah. decide that they themselves want the result enough to risk it, or if there's some way in which they think that because they have a kind of planning advantage that it, that the risk is an acceptable one. My mind went in a different direction with this. Um, okay. Well, what's your idea? Just intuitively, my thought was like, maybe we need to have the, the club flex a little bit. Right. Oh, and that's another way it could go. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Like, like they, the parents don't want to ever okay this, but like somehow, you know, in this larger power struggle that's potentially exists between the club and Zoya's parents, both of whom are movers and shakers right. in our universe, like the, the club has the upper hand for the moment. Right. Right. Or at least on Zoya, you know, and then Zoya's sort of like, maybe like Zoya doesn't have a good choice, right? Like either... Well, I feel like that's manipulating that first thing I was talking about, which is like Zoya wanting it, you know, so the way we're leaving it with Zoya in your current pages, she doesn't really want anything to do with the club anymore. She's kind of been disgusted by them. Right. Um, so they would have to force her. Yeah. Now, if they exactly if they exhibit if they have some leverage over her, which we can decide exactly what that would be, um, that could cause her to want it more. Uh, and then could justify her, you know, saying to her parents, well, I know it's dangerous, but I'm doing it anyway, or something like that. Um, and yeah, I like the idea that I think so far we've held back on having the club be too explicitly evil. And I think this is a good time to do that. And I also think there's a good mechanism already in place for that, which is that 
uh, what we were just talking about right here, she does have Tim solve the puzzle for her. And since the club is like in charge of that Pompeii world, um, they obviously would know that and they would be able to f- survey the world and find that out. So, well, we're going right into the sequence where she gets caught, right? Right. So, so we that, already that is, had yeah. we already had uh, that planned that she was going to get caught for this. Um, so that's a good mechanism by which they can um, uh, decide to be tougher with her, basically. Yeah. Right. So she's like, she's done something already that that's like a little, you know, that's against the rules. So they can demand more from her. And uh, yeah, we can figure out exactly what the leverage should be. But yeah, I like that. I I think that uh, we may want to go with more than one of these solutions at once. Like, I think I could imagine a version of this where we we accentuate a little bit this divide between Richard and Alexis in terms of you know, being real hardliner on, on bad contracts versus being cautious, but pragmatic. Um, and then we could also have the clubs flex a bit more and really push Zoya's motivation toward doing anything to just get this over with and get it done and get out of their clutches. I think, I I think those are potentially both good solutions that could potentially work. I think the club also, if they, if they isolate her, from her parents. Right, right, right. She doesn't have to explain this to them because we don't, we can get her thoughts. We don't need to see that. Right. Like, like, like she's in on the club world, you know, she's told mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can leave, but the second you leave, like you're never, you're not coming back. You're not welcome back, you know? So. Sure. And so. And maybe even something. Yeah. And, and she's been, you know, her parents, I think, you know whether it's it's a split between the parents or something, but like at least one of the parents has to like I th- I think I'll argue equally strongly for the value of like getting into the club. So she's like she's isolated from her parents, and it's like she's got two conflicting directives. You know, I think this is something we talked about before, but we need to like I think really get to that point where it's like, well, what would she can't talk to her parents, but like what would her parents tell her to do in this situation because they've told her. You know, don't sign a bad contract, but they also told her like you you need to like get into this club for the like good of the family. So it's like she's kind of left right. on her own. Now, the problem, the additional challenge is that Zoya herself feels like she would, as she's currently written, like err on the side of like let's leave, right? Um, let's not do this. Uh, so there's extra leverage, like like maybe they they reveal that they can like ruin her parents business or something right bigger you know or right right we had talked about that as a potential threat because they have themselves such a good list of worlds if anybody could compete with the with the almanac it might be and you know they i mean we've talked about how there's some power concentration in this world like if they've infiltrated magnerbia and uh i forget what our other big city is um, you know, they just might have leverage over a lot of the ways that uh, Emerologia gets its information and its popularity and whatever else. Right, right. They could um, sort of fuck with. The, we were thinking there might be some kind of like Emerologian tip getters union, and they could, yeah, they could have power with the with the union uh, because they let in the union leader, right? Which makes sense. The union leader of the tip getters would be somebody who might join Altov, and. Um, you know, ha- you know, be be interested in what they're interested in, and and have that status. 
Right. I, I forgot we just talked about that. That's a good idea. So yeah, I, I think we I think we do want to do something like that. And I think the place to do it is honestly in this next scene that's coming up. Um which is called Zoya Gets Caught. Yeah, yeah. So so and I so. think, you know, we, we will probably need to go back and you know, we probably should just differentiate Alexis and Richard more just for the sake of that. Um and like there's it seems like that's happening anyway, so maybe we should yeah, just yeah. But there's uh, there's other that. things that we can we can go back and do. But yeah, I think if, if in this in scene coming up, if we have a really big flex from the club, I think it'll sort of be pointing in a direction that'll that'll get us where we need to be with Zoya. And it's also a good thing to do here because uh, again, we've been sort of shifting the villain and hero roles, right? So like until now, Zoya's basically been the villain and Tim's been the hero. But now Zoya is sort of becoming the hero and the club is sort of becoming the villain. And so this is a good move for the villain to to do something evil here. And, you know, it helps to justify our eventual ending where she's going to turn against them. Now, something else is, um, you know, in terms of fleshing out Zoya's character. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we've hit the beat pretty hard as, you know, is, is I think the main structuring element of the scene that like, you know, she's like got this growing aversion to this indoctrination and we have our we have our three classroom scenes you know seriously to sell yep. that yeah yeah i know i like the way you pulled that out in apollonia i was wondering how that would work um out. so i think that we know that fact about her character so she's got this like rebellious streak that's like kind of under the surface um but she also is an artist and she you know somehow i mean was motivated maybe her parents put it up to her maybe it was came from her own talent like to make this world right um this art world right. so it's like does she care about her artistic reputation also like is that i mean we haven't really that's something exactly they could we, ruin, we haven't like set saying? her up that uh-huh. way but it would it would maybe follow from what she's engaged in that that could be something she cares about and has to end up like sacrificing in this story um because you know ultimately she does like really burn bridges with the club right so i think i think one of the things that's going to be powerful about this if we set it up correctly is when she goes when she makes her final choice to abandon saba um to his death um right whatever like loaded gun we plant here like is going to go off off screen right like if the threat was to ruin her parents's business well then that's going to happen now and if the threat was to ruin her career or like her like reputation as an artist then oh yeah that's interesting i mean i think that you're you're Probably right, but um, maybe that depends a little bit on whether the threat comes from Saba specifically or from the club more as an organization. You know what I mean? Because if it's something that Saba says to her on the naturalist world, you know, when we get back, I'm going to tell them and this, you know, this bad thing's going to happen, then it's not totally, it's potentially she could by killing him she could actually stop it from happening sure but that's later right like on i mean and that you know he could always like 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 but but the scene that we're going into that we were just talking about where she gets caught right and sort of put on sort of trial almost um right right and we're talking about they're going to flex or make some threats in that scene that's going to be delivered you know ahead of time by like you know whoever's running that trial and making these commandments, presumably Saba is present. Right. But I, I think that's right. a multi uh, person scene. And, you know, later Saba could like lean into that when she's like starting to like not want to go through with it on Katal. Like Saba can be like, you, you know, it's going to happen. Like, you know, 
Right. But it can still be structured like, you know, what's going to happen if I tell them you screwed up versus, you know, what's going to happen if I just don't return. Right. I guess I guess it's whether the audience can assume that off screen when Saba doesn't ever return from the naturalist world and like Zoya goes missing like that they don't like connect the dots up or not. Right. Well, again, we're we're assuming that Soya goes missing and that may in fact be the best move. But if, if she needed to show up on club world and say, okay, we, I I did it. Unfortunately, Saba died in the process. We could, we could do that. I I guess I thought the ending beat was supposed to be like her sort of, sort of walking away from this. Yeah. 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 And I do like that. I I'm just saying if it, if it's a logic problem, and we need to sort of assume that she, we might be able to do that in one panel where she just. Oh, I don't think it's a logic problem. Uh, you know, I think it's like, I, I'm saying it, it makes the end but, more powerful to know that whatever consequence was threatened is happening. Well, it also, right. And also might be like that she wants to sort of screw her parents. Yeah, I she guess. wants to so screw her parents and or she doesn't care about her art career anymore. Like, or whatever the threat is, like they all say something that she's like, right. not willing to. That she's like, you know, saying, screw that, you know, she's like, that's sort of throwing off chains in a way. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thought. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, I think this leaves us with like a good problem to solve in a way. It's like, it's a problem, but I think the solution that we figure out to it will be good for the. Wait, what's the, you mean the problem of like the original problem we're talking about? Like yeah. The... Just like of, of making sure that Zoya is properly motivated yeah. to. To take this yeah, big risk, it does risk, force us basically. to get in her head more, which is probably good. Exactly, it's just gonna make it's gonna force us to make everything more intense for the end part of the story, which is, I think, a good thing. I think this is like, uh, you know, I, I think my brain is like naturally a little resistant to it because it's like, ah, there's this thing, and we have it, and we made it stick to it. But, but I, I think the actual what I'm what I'm kind of coming to as a conclusion as we're talking about it is this will this will make it better by fixing this. Well, I don't think we're actually needing to change any of our like really that we came up with here. If 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 we just have to write a new threat in. Yeah, it's going to be all tweaks and a particular threat that we ha- don't yeah. currently have outlined, basically. Yeah. And then we just have to, yeah, we have to figure out, well, yeah, what's the like maximum impact threat that can be? I I think, you know, maybe we were sort of not thinking along these lines before because part of the concept here, you know, our, our code name for this project before we had the name Constellation was like permissions, right? Because it's all about like sort of, you know, what what powers do you grant to people right you know voluntarily that then you know sow the seeds of your own destruction you know right. um but because we 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 do that with tim we do a whole thing with tim where that's basically 100% what he does um right. and so now we're in the zoya part and now you know if we want to show something else like how actual power is wielded in this strange post scarcity world i think that's just like an interesting different thing we can show without like compromising any of that sort of initial concept you know yeah, I think that's right. I think it's just it's it's just a little hard to think about, so we're forcing ourselves to go through it to figure it out, which is all good. And yeah, I, I, that's the main thing that I think was you know we really needed to talk about in these pages. There are uh, some other notes um, in them, but uh, nah, we can leave it at that. I think we can. I think we that's can skip the them for right now there. and just you know, um, I think you had some good notes about exactly how contract enforcement is going to work. Oh yeah. And I think those are fair notes that we do have to look into, but I think they're easily solved. And also I had a note somewhere that, uh, um, I don't think we've ever actually explained in the book up till this point that Emerologia is an almanac that like, that's what it is. Pro- and yeah. so it occurred to me 
while I was writing this that um, on the next draft, there is a point it, when Tim and Zoya are talking about tips for the second trial that would naturally, that could come up in conversation and they could explain that. Um, yeah. Because he'd be basic, he could be basically saying like what well, you can't find one in, in your parents' faults, basically. Yeah. They could have a dis- discussion about why the, the whole point of an almanac is to make things public. So it's not going to work for, for this, for this. T- yeah. Um, purpose so yeah i just had a thought of like oh that's something we haven't explained but there is a place where we can easily do it so uh, next time we go through we'll we'll do those um but yeah this was good i I, obviously um we got through a lot more content this time and i think we're going to try to do this for the next several as we get through the end of the script and hopefully it will doubling us to just move through things a little bit more quickly than we have been so um yeah thanks for staying with us and we will be back with more constellation making the graphic novel um soon thanks for listening this has been constellation making the graphic novel our theme song is pomona by audios to subscribe to this podcast look us up on itunes or your favorite podcatcher application you can find us on twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com thanks for listening